What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to today's show. We have a different show for you today where we have Dr. Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg on the show, and we talk about divorce. And you may be like, I don't want to hear about that. I'm in a happy relationship, which is probably your first response. But there is a lot of value in understanding navigating a divorce. And unfortunately, more than half of marriages end in divorce. So maybe you are a child of divorced parents, or maybe you're going through a divorce yourself right now. There's a lot of value in today's show. And Dr. Carol Hughes holds her doctoral degree in clinical psychology and a master's in counseling psychology. And she is a two-time Fulbright scholar and has a long list of accolades as a marriage and family therapist, and she is focused on family-focused divorce for more than 30 years. And Bruce has been a California-licensed marriage and family therapist also for more than 30 years and is a board-certified therapist in clinical hypnosis and a trained and experienced chronic pain management, trauma, addictions, mediation, and collaborative divorce practitioner. And Bruce helps families as a therapist, divorce coach, and co-parenting specialists. And they are experts in this field and share a lot of great knowledge with us. And hopefully you guys get some great stuff out of today's show. Yeah, today was super valuable. And like Chase said, even if you're not going through a divorce, there's tons of helpful information on maybe dealing with friends who are going through divorce or other people in your family. So we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. And as always, feel free to check out our website. We have a ton of free resources on there as well as over 300 interviews. So if you're looking for a topic or advice that you haven't found yet, go onto our website and it's all there. We hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hi, Bruce and Carol. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having us, Sarah. In the pre-show, we talked about how on the show, we generally tell people and interview guests about how to have a successful relationship and stay together. But sometimes that's not always the outcome. And we have to face the reality that relationships end and whether it's someone you're dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, or a marriage ending in divorce. And so you, you had expressed concerns or we were talking about this and it's like, well, it's a reality and it's valuable to hear this if you are going through a divorce or a separation or a breakup or as a perspective on what to avoid and how to be in a healthy relationship. So today we're going to dive in and talk about divorce. And you guys have a term gray divorce, so divorce later in life. But maybe we could start by having you give our listeners your perspective as therapists on divorce and how to navigate it, whether someone's listening in a happy relationship or someone in the midst of a breakup. Right. So thanks, Chase. Um, and, and your podcast is perfect for us because we don't, we're not uh, 
telling people they should get divorced. We're talking about if they do get divorced, how to do it in the most peaceful, respectful, dignified way that is family focused or person focused. If there isn't, everybody has family because we have at least our own parents, right? And uncles and aunts and so forth. So some people may not have children. Um, but so that they they can learn how to preserve the most important relationships to them in their lives, which is often the familial relationships, even if they don't have children, and the friend group relationships and community, like if they have places of worship, because we know that often, uh, sadly, even places of worship, even some religions uh, tell people they must leave the congregation if they get divorced. So there's another loss. So that's our focus is how to improve and and maintain relationships that are important even during a divorce process. So can you tell us a little bit what that might look like, how you would coach someone through that? And do you do it individually as a couple and some of the things that you guide them through specifically? Well, in general terms, uh, it can, because it can be if, if the couple comes in together for a consultation, if they, or if I was having an individual client who was planning to have a divorce, I, I would uh, refer her to someone else for that part of it. But the counsel I would give is that if someone has decided to divorce and they're, they're about to do it, then we think that the, most important decision they'll be making after that before they do anything else is what type of divorce process they choose. And what there's four ways in, in most jurisdictions where most people live, there's four different ways to get divorced and um, you can do it yourself and, and that can work out well for, or okay for people who have no assets and don't have kids. Uh, or um, what most people do is they'll go to litigation. They'll get uh, a family law attorney who goes to court and uh, often that turns into what we call combat divorce and then there are two other ways to do it and and we think for most people they would be uh, preferable because they are family focused and they're designed for people to have more peaceful more respectful divorce processes and to spare their families from the worst aspects of divorce and one is collaborative divorce which is typically a team process and uh, anything that they do in that process, if they, any of either one of them decides to, to litigate, none of the things that have been revealed in those collaborative meetings um, or at least none of the documentation can go with them to court, which means that they're much safer and freer to put their real uh, feelings and opinions and, and agenda on the table because they don't have to worry about it being used against them in court. And typically each person uh, has their own divorce coach, but sometimes it's just one mental health professional acting as a family communication specialist and divorce coach. And there's typically a financial specialist, a neutral financial specialist whose job isn't to, you know, help one side or the other get everything. It's to help both of them fully understand 
all of their finances and what the consequences would be going forward for both of them with any of the decisions they were going to make so they'd be really educated and informed. And in addition to that, if there's children, uh, we endorse that there be a neutral child specialist who would act as the voice of the children in all of the proceedings so that the kids would not, kids minor or adult, would not be actually attending the meeting then involved in the divorce meetings. But their interests would always be a paramount in the parents' mind. And so by being the voice of the children, the, the children aren't going to have a choice. The parents are the ones who decide whether to divorce. But by having the neutral child specialist as part of the team, that makes sure that the children are in the center, not the middle of their parents' divorce. And then mediation is a similar um, process, and it also can include team approaches. And so that with the aim of everybody being to have a more peaceful, more respectful divorce process that that's doesn't destroy every relationship in the family, like, you know, the in-laws and the aunts and the uncles and kids and the grandparents, uh, then we think they're far better off in that process than to than going to war. And typically war is always more painful and way more and more expensive emotionally and financially than peace. So how what Bruce was just saying answers your question there, Chase, is that the first step is educating the, the potential divorcing people uh, about what Bruce was just saying, because litigation is such a default in the cultures really around the world, industrialized world. A lot of people don't even know their other choices like mediation or collaborative divorce. So educating them and, and reminding potential divorcing folks that relationships, family relationships, the parent child relationship, whether you know it's their own parents and them, or they have their own children, are forever. They're lifelong relationships, and they're primal. In that we humans are wired to attach to our primary caregivers. You know, when we're young, and that's parents, sometimes you know nannies or something. Uh, and those relationships last for the lifetime whether they're positive or negative relationships. And we know that if the relationships are healthier, then the people are healthier. So that would be what we would coach them about in the very beginning so that if they could buy into what we're talking about. And then another thing that we share is uh, kind of mining for their values, their interests. Is it more important to you to be right or to be your highest self? Which the highest self person wants to preserve relationships and sees the value. Uh, and so that's part of the coaching in the beginning as well. Because ultimately, uh, for most people, whether if, you know, if they go into a process and that costs them their relationship with their children or other people who are important to them going forward, um, that's a big price to pay because ultimately that's what people live with in their life or their emotional experiences. And uh, life is primarily an emotional experience. And, and Carol and I obviously appreciate the intellect or we wouldn't have gone to school so long, but uh, 
I guarantee that if I was to play a song on the radio that reminded uh, you, Sarah, and Chase of a time when you were 15 or 16, your first thought would not be quadratic equations or conjugating Spanish verbs. <laughs> You'd no. be remembering how you felt, how you felt about yourself, uh, the things that were important to you emotionally, not whether or not you could remember how to do a uh, quadratic equation, for example. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving Relationship Advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low-quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H-E-R-O dot C-O. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy... No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code I do when you check out at oneskin.co. 
I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. I knew I was not going to need that math <laughs> later in life. <laughs> you know, I tell people that, um, you know, chemistry came in handy for like coffee. You know, it's like a chemistry experiment, making it turn white, the right color when you put cream in it. But I have to admit, sometimes I go decades without using algebra. <laughs> uh, well, this is all really valuable laying the groundwork for how to think of this. So what would you tell someone listening who's like, yeah, I, I'm going through a divorce and I want to have a collaborative divorce, but it's like my partner is not being collaborative. How would you talk to both of those parties? So one of the things that is very common, you know, usually people go to attorneys first when they're thinking of a divorce because that's it's a legal process. However, family law knows 80 to 90 percent of the topics that people have to deal with in divorce are wrapped in emotions. So a lot of attorneys will have uh, potential divorcing clients come to someone like Bruce or me so that we can educate them about some of the things we've just been talking about here is that the when it's all said and done, usually it's not about the toaster or the, you know, the, the, the whatever else they argue over about the garden shears, silly things like that, the furniture. Uh, it's about the emotions and the values that underlie that. And so um, the person that, and usually we encourage people to come to us in a pair, you know, the husband and wife together, but sometimes not. Sometimes the one that's resistant, maybe they'll at least just talk to us on the phone where we can educate them as we've been doing here with you both about uh, the damage that traditional divorce processes can cause to the relationships. Because when it's all said and done, relationships is what is at our core. There's a lot of research about that in our field and in the field of physiology and in um, uh, neuroscience, is that literally when someone has a broken heart, cardiologist research shows that their heart is affected. So um, a lot of it is education to help the person who's resistant see something a different way because battle divorce is so common in the industri most industrialized countries, not all. Scandinavian countries have a better, more positive outlook 
uh, a healing way to do divorce than most other industrialized countries. In, in fact, in our, our statewide organization in California has created a program called Divorce Options. And, and typically, uh, it's, it's all volunteers. There'll be a, a family law attorney and a neutral a financial specialist and one of the mental health professionals will volunteer their times to do a, a free seminar just to educate the public on all the different options available to them and we don't do it to promote our own practices we're not we're not there for people to come to the seminar and then we pitch them for us we're there to educate people on it because we think it's so important for families which means it's really so important for the nation for people to resolve these things more peacefully so let's say a couple has decided they're going to have a collaborative divorce. Things are going great. Well, they're, they're working through it. And then they, they get divorced. How can they frame or how do you coach someone through, let's say that they have kids going forward, like things to think about to have the healthiest relationship for everyone. And that includes the former spouses, the kid, and then the, you mentioned like friend groups and let's say families on the other side. How do you frame that bigger picture scenario? And again, educating people about some of what we've been talking about, Chase, is really helpful in a, in a non-preachy way, just giving you information. And so many people don't even know uh, how destructive stress is physically on the body. And there's a lot of research about uh, people going through divorce uh, are extremely stressed, especially an adversarial divorce process. And it affects all their relationships. It affects you know, their work ability to focus. Many get depressed and anxious. Their appetite, they lose their appetite. There are a lot of physical symptoms uh, from stress. And so educating people about there are other processes that help to minimize the stress. I mean, divorce is stressful, period, because it's the, it's the breaking of attachment bonds, which are another part of our wiring and our DNA, so to speak, to attach to people. We're social animals. And so educating people about that, and which would you rather have? Have a support system that supports you and your spouse in a respectful, dignified way of ending your marriage rather than having friends and family members line up like in battle lines, you know, that that's, that's like living in a war zone. So that helps people grasp and see the value if they're going to divorce to do it in a more respectful, a peaceful way. And, and Chase uh, and Sarah, um, and another thing we advise people, and it's, it's really high on the list, is uh, avoid... Um, uh, trying to get your children to take sides. In fact, it's better if you talk to them about and explain that you you don't want them to take sides. It doesn't have to do with them. That you they you want them to have uh, whatever relationship they want, a loving relationship with their other parent. And the divorcing couple can be proactive too by talking to their own brothers and sisters and parents and who are the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents of their own kids. And let them know that they, they, you really don't want them to be dragging your kids into bash the other parent conversations. It's really uncomfortable for them. And it also creates us animosity and they can withdraw or they get hurt. And it's really 
much harder to heal those extended relationships uh, with uh, former in-laws and also with your children sometimes. Hard to repair those relationships if, if somebody's allowed that to happen. And one of the questions uh, we like to ask people um, when they um, come to us for this is, it's real obvious that an attorney or financial specialist can easily tell you the value of a particular asset. If it's, you know, like a house or a retirement fund or a valuable painting or something, but what's the value of being able to dance at your child's wedding and nobody cringes because you showed up? That's super valuable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that really changes how people see things, you know? What's going to happen at the weddings and the graduations or when one person says, is so-and-so going to be there? If they're going to be there, I'm not going to be there. Well, then it takes the focus off the person being honored onto that person. And then these family celebrations turn into family traumas and all because uh, they didn't get the right kind of help going through their divorce. And another question that's really helpful for parents in the beginning to ask is, uh, for someone to ask them, what is the legacy that you want to leave your children, if they have children, friends, family members, about this time in your life? Do you, and just pause, and some people aren't even sure what that means, that question, and say, well, for example, you know, you are leave, you will be leaving a legacy whether you realize it or not. Do you want your family and community support system and friends to feel like they've been in a war zone? Or do you want everybody to feel like they're still standing, so to speak, to use that war analogy, and that it, you, you proceeded in a respectful, peaceful, dignified manner? And then they know what you're talking about. Then they get it. And again, usually that is quite, when they can get into that space out of the, I've been hurt, I'm angry, he or she did this, you know, bad, 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 it can help people make healthier choices when they realize really this is all about relationships. They're ending a relationship and how can they do it respectfully that preserves their important relationships in their lives. So what are some other big things that couples going through a divorce should avoid? You mentioned not bringing the family and the kids into it. Are there other big scenarios that you see happen that you would really wish, you know, people could avoid? One is to uh, recognize that whatever the age of your children, whether they're young or whether they're adult, they could be, you know, 12, five, they could be 50, 60 years old. I mean, if you're in your eighties and divorcing, but um, they're just because they're adults, doesn't mean that they don't hurt. The parents are hurting. So, and they're adults, they recognize that they can hurt. So it, it's easy for people to overlook their what how it affects their kids and especially teenage kids and adult children and part of it's because the legal system uh, tells parents that the adult children don't count because they're not there's no jurisdiction over them and a lot of people will tell somebody well your kids are going to be fine you know particularly those teenagers will seem like they are and uh, it's it's not realistic, but it's really seductive as a parent for somebody to tell you your kids are going to be fine. Wow, what a relief because you've know, you got so many things to worry about and be concerned about when you're going through a divorce. To have that off the table, my kids are fine, That that's a relief, but it, it's just not realistic. And, and Carol, maybe you can add more to, the, more to this than that. 
Well, I wanted to underscore a couple of things you said. It is tempting, even if the children are minors, younger children, to align with them and ask them to align with you because you're hurting so much, um, and adult children as well, and to depend on them and and feel like you have this connection. Sometimes they become like a surrogate spouse, you know, minor children or adult children, because one parent is hurt or both parents are hurting so much and sharing inappropriate information with them, like what the parental sex life was like, finances, the quote, bad things that the other parent did uh, is very damaging to children of all ages, even in the research, there's even 50-year-old adult children are saying, I didn't want to hear these things from my parents. You know, I'm not their best friend. I'm not their counselor or therapist. You know, they need to deal with that with someone else. Now, sometimes adult children especially do want to help out a parent who's maybe infirm, uh, is maybe the lower income earner, and so they feel compelled and maybe even it's their duty to help that parent, which is appropriate initially. Uh, but part of their the adult children's job in that case would be to help that parent transition to a support group, um, meaning other professionals who could help them, uh, like therapists or lawyers or financial planners or whomever, or physicians, because maybe they're they're you know they have an illness or something. Because to be a caretaker. You know, of an aging parent, uh, when parent uh, adult children have their own families, their own children, their professions, their jobs, is extremely stressful, and it can stress their marriage as well. Um, many adult children report that their marriage became unstable because they were trying to help their uh, divorcing parent or parents too much. So it's quite complicated. And and even for the the younger adults that are eighteen or nineteen or even teenagers younger, because I know your audience uh, is of all ages for relationships. Um, when people say a lot of times, or parents talk to their teenagers, I ask them a question: When you were a teenager, did you want more supervision or less supervision? Because I know I wanted less supervision, and. Telling the parents you have a problem can sometimes be interpreted as putting up a flag that you want more supervision or more, inter, you know, more interaction in your life that they may or may not want. And also uh, children, uh, older children can be very sensitive to having conversations that make mom or dad cry. So they may just uh, want to avoid those conversations altogether and just say, I'm fine. We, we don't care about that. And again, it can be very seductive for parents because they're caught up in their own pain. And without somebody to help guide them through it, it's, it's, it's easier to make mistakes. And it's like a lot of things in life. A lot of times we're dealing with situations where we're amateurs dealing with professionals. And by the time we figured out what we should have known and should have asked, it's already gone by us. Hey, Love Tribe. I just want to ask you a few questions. I want to know why you guys are here. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner? Do you want to feel truly heard? Are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? And let's not forget about the fun. Do you long for those fun, giggly moments at the beginning of your relationship? 
Over the last decade of hosting this podcast with Chase, these have been our top questions. And we get it. We've been there. And that's why we created Spark My Relationship course, because we wanted to put the tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. So we're offering this course, Spark My Relationship, for only $100 until April 6th. In less than 90 days, this self-paced course will help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner, all while having fun doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. This offer is only going to last until Saturday, April 6th. So head on over to our website, sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 at checkout to get the course for only $100. That's nearly 60% off and it won't last. The sale ends April 6th. That's sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 to get our course for only $100. Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner? and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. What are some of the expectations or how someone could think about maintaining a relationship with an ex with an ex and let's say with the ex's family or with the ex's like friend group? How obviously there's lots of different challenges there, but what do you encourage uh, people that you're working with to do? That's a great question um, because it is right up our alley, so to speak, of what we've been talking about Mm -hmm. is um, we, again, and part of this is education, but um, in the beginning, and if parents are able to do this somewhere along the way in the process, or I should say divorcing people, um, or even people who are breaking up relationships, these could be just dating relationships, long-term relationships, and the friend group and families and all are impacted as well, is create a story that you could even put in writing 
if it's divorce, we can call it your divorce story. If it's breaking up a relationship, your relationship story, where the couple tells the people important in their lives how they want this breakup to go and that they don't want it to be the end of relationships that were important. You know, if it's divorce, many times uh, the kids uh, and you know, grandparents and uncles and cousins and all end up splitting apart too because uh, they feel like they have to support one parent against the other. Uh, or even sometimes, you know, step families divorce and they've had close relationships with stepsisters or brothers or, you know, a step parent. Um, because again, it's why this is so important for your, your particular podcast is it's all about relationships. And so focus on that you don't want your, your circle of family and friends to lose these connections because these connections are important. Relationships are important. And there's no real valid reason why the, uh, your family and friend connections should lose their connections with each other either. Uh, Carol, it's so important. I'm glad you added that part. And I'm really glad that you asked that question, Chase, because uh, in fact, early in my career, uh, and even before I was a therapist, I would watch people who'd been married and, and, and go through a, a breakup. They'd been in a, a real intense and, and a, a good relationship for a while, or they were married. And then because they're so hurt and angry by the, the final outcome, they, they lose all the benefits, all the good that came in that relationship and just, and they do a scorched earth. And so if somebody had some, learned some, you know, emotional skills or relationship skills or just learned other things about life. And as Carol pointed out, you know, had these friendships with other people, it's such a shame that people trash and just you know, do a scorched earth policy towards the relationship and, and lose all the, the benefits they got from it. I feel that it would be much easier when both parties going into a divorce are on the same page for their friends and their families to all have a positive experience with the divorce. But like you mentioned, if, if one person isn't happy, as happy about the divorce, wouldn't it be hard for their friends and their families to, to be supportive of it? Even if they say, you know, guys, this is how we want it to be during this divorce, because naturally people are going to want to feel protected of their loved ones. And it seems like it'll still be kind of complicated, even though their wishes are that it's not. Right. And I think that's a very good question, Sarah. I think it's important for the person who's hurting more from the divorce because it's usually not equally uh, agreed upon for divorce. So the person that's hurting more is the one I think you're talking about. It's, it's really important for friends and family members to validate that person's pain and all that they've been going through and how disappointed they are and feeling abandoned and all the feelings. That's the first thing to really validate because when we're validated by saying, I understand you're feeling really hurt and, you know, abandoned and angry and sad, it lets our, our defenses come down a bit and we feel heard. And then the friends and family members can say, you know, what do you want from me? How can I, how can I support you? Uh, I, I want you to know I hear your pain and I want to be able to honor what you both asked. Um, I want to be able to protect you, but I know that's not really my job kind of thing. 
how how can I support you? You you tell me. And it really makes the person in that who's in the painful situation more to really think, yeah, how how could my friends and family members support me in in a, a healthy way, perhaps? One of the, I guess, cliche or the utopia version of a divorce that I would see is that the former partners remain friends and the family is supportive. And let's say a, a kid is involved and then the for, the former partners, new partners, let's say, get together for a pool party on Sunday with the kids. Um, how often do you see that as a reality and and how do you help coach people? Because that seems like that's ultimately one of the healthier outcomes. Well, you're right. You're right, uh, Chase. That is a unfortunately typical scenario. Some people will want to bring their new partner into the family uh, way too soon. And it can feel intrusive. Uh, for, well, for instance, if for adult kids, they're still this, you know, their, their family's gone. I mean, their mom and dad will never be in the same room together, or at least there won't be joint Thanksgivings or Passovers or Christmas. Uh, there won't be joint family vacations. If they've got their own kids, grandma and grandpa aren't going to be in the same room anymore. And, and it's hard for people to imagine, um, you know, happier or at least less angry scenarios. So one of the things we coach people on is um, if, if you have minor children, um, don't introduce them to your kids till they've been in your life at least six months, preferably a year. In fact, we tell newly divorced parents with minor children, best practices is don't get involved in a new relationship for two years and at least one year, but two years is better because at the beginning when you have your kids over or you're, you're, you're with your kids or you're, if you're, you know, they don't want to have a relationship with a new person. They want to have time with you. And so after all that settles down, and so it's really a question of helping parents prioritize. And then, uh, you know, and for older uh, people who've, uh, you know, have a new relationship and people have settled down into it, again, bringing these people into the family before everybody's ready is, can be traumatic. And that's when you get the scenario, well, I'm not coming to the wedding if I can't bring this other person. And uh, as we educate people, I also want to point out that not everything that we suggest works all the time. Nothing works all the time. These are really helpful. But uh, you and Sarah, I, I believe you're raising a at least one child, correct? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you probably, you know, read parenting books or had experience. And when they tell you how to help this, that, and the other thing with your kid, almost nothing works 100% of the time. But some of the things will work often enough that it's way better to have these tools than to not. Absolutely. I know I didn't ask a specific question, but how often do you see a divorced couple thriving in a new blended family that they're getting together with their former spouse and, and the kids and, and having, you know, I'm calling it a blended family, but having, you know, not these two very separate lives, but it's like just change to, to something different, but still collaborative and uh, good for the people involved. Okay. Um, I, in my own case, uh, I was, a, I was, I am a stepfather. And uh, my wife had her daughter before we were married and she 
was divorced. And from the very beginning, we uh, supported and encouraged her involvement with her biological father. And um, later when he, he uh, remarried as well, uh, we would we didn't double date and we're not that close, but we, you know, there are certain extended family functions that we would all attend. And when um, we were all cordial to each other and supportive of each other's needs and relationship with our, with our daughter, I could refer to her as my stepdaughter only because she has, uh, you know, her ongoing relationship with her own uh, dad. And, and so she calls me Bruce and, and, uh, and she calls him dad. And, and, and I'm real supportive of that. But when I'm around people who don't know him, then I just, you know, she's my daughter. Uh, when he's around, I, you know, and when he got remarried, uh, his current, his wife, he's been married for a long time now. Uh, when we introduce each other to somebody who doesn't know us, we say that we raised a stepdaughter together. In fact, uh, she's, she's grown now and she's just flying back today uh, from a uh, two-week vacation in Hawaii with her, with her biological dad and her, her other mom. And Bruce, your story is very positive, and I, I've known you and your wife for a long, long time, and I watched you do it, and it's extremely commendable, and I'm sure part of it is how you and, and Yolanda, your wife, are wired. To answer your question very directly, Chase, sadly, uh, in our clinical experience, we don't see that kind of working together that often. Now, we do have a skewed population, I think, because the people who can do it well don't come for our services probably. Um, but, and it's hard to research this in our field because you would have to follow, you know, people would have to be in a research project and then be followed for decades, which uh, is very difficult to do in our field. Um, but basically the little bit of research that we know that's out there, it's, it is a minority of couples who can do this. Uh, I, have had that happen many times with some of the couples I've worked with where they're even remarried and they go on like maybe one vacation a year together, or they go to, you know, the four parents and the kids, or they go to, you know, back to school night or teacher conferences when the children are, you know, minor children. Uh, and, and that they really embraced as Bruce was talking about that we're a different kind of family. And uh, they get along, you know, well, and it, it really is great for the, most kids because if the parents model that, you know, the kids will often follow what the parents do. Um, so our hope is that one, in writing the book and being on your show, that we can help people see the value of continuing healthy relationships or making relationships healthy if they aren't. Uh, when people are breaking up, either as long-term relationships, marriages. Um, because relationships is really what being a human is all about. Well, Bruce and Carol, thank you guys so much for, for coming on and sharing this information. And, and yeah, uh, as a relationship podcast, obviously, we're trying to give tools to help build and strengthen existing relationships. But reality is that relationships end. And maybe someone listening to this is in their second marriage or they're going through a divorce, or maybe they're happily married, but in a few years, they're going to get divorced. So these are tools that we, we, we need to understand and, and we should not ignore because they can really strengthen our 
our lives and our relationships. So uh, thank you so much for sharing. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? And if there's anything you want to emphasize uh, that we went over before we say goodbye? Sure. Um, you can find me at two websites, two different ones, uh, all lowercase, drcarolhughes.com. That's my therapy website. And then my divorce website is peace, uh, divorce, peacemaking, all one word, lowercase.com. And I can be found, my uh, divorce uh, coaching site is orangecountydivorcecoach.com. And then my therapy site, the easiest one to find me on is the Psychology Today site under Bruce R. Fredenberg, LMFT, which stands for Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. And then Carol and I can both be found at the website of CDSOC, Collaborative Divorce Solutions, Orange County. And uh, if somebody clicked on there, they would find our profiles and our background and in, in contact information there as well. As for um, what I would like to end with is, I wish I was better at this. I'm, I'm not always, but uh, you know, one of my favorite sayings is you're not required to participate in every argument to which you're invited. And so when, if you don't know what to do and you're required to do something, I think a good uh, idea is always to choose kindness because uh, you're not going to do any harm. And, and if you take a different approach, you might spark up another argument and that's just one more obstacle to get over. I love that. I'm I'm actually wearing a bracelet right now that says choose kindness. So it resonates. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's even research in our field how that affects our physiology as well. It is really important. And to, I would like to end with what I said a couple of minutes ago is for people to realize that relationships are at our core and do everything that you know how to do and get other information like this podcast of how to have tools and skills to make your relationships better, healthier, stronger, because that is important to us human beings. Well, thank you too so much for joining us today. And we'll have all the links to your websites and your contact information in the show notes and in the podcast description. And thanks again for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, it's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week.
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.